There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This month, ACAST is working with your favorite podcasters and the Menopause Charity to take the scary out of menopause. We believe that we need to revolutionize the support and advice that women receive for menopause and perimenopause. And it all begins by having open, honest conversations. That's why you can hear me discussing menopause on Not Another Mummy podcast this week, alongside dozens of special episodes on ACAST's Take the Scary Out of Menopause playlist. Hear them all at themenopausecharity.org slash ACAST and to find out more about the amazing work the Menopause Charity does. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. Today I'm joined by a beauty, wellness and health entrepreneur, podcaster, writer. It's hard to label my guest today because Liz Earle has done so much. From her skincare brand, the Liz Earle Beauty Company, which she sold in 2010 and is now owned by Boots, to her podcast, The Liz Earle Wellbeing Show, and her book, The Truth About HRT, she's offering support to many midlife women. Her new book, A Better Second Half, comes out next April. Liz, welcome to the podcast. It's so nice to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? Are you having a bit of a hectic morning or are you nice and chilled? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. I've got an Instagram live at lunchtime, so that would take up a bit of time. Um, but yeah, it's good. It's good. I'm, I'm feeling particularly good because I've just come back from a 12-day fast. So wow. I'm feeling... What was feeling, that like? Yeah, it was good. It's the second time I've done it. I did it the first time in a clinic in Germany last year and went back to their sister clinic in Marbella. And um, it's good. It's good. You know, you, you, I, I did it really for this process called autophagy. When, when you fast for four days or upwards, your body starts to basically get rid of all the rubbish that it's accumulated right. because your digestion is completely rested. And it's a way of kind of reworking your body at a cellular level and uh, you you just feel amazingly energized people say oh my gosh don't you have you know no energy and you know is it just you know do you feel exhausted and actually you feel the opposite and you know by the time you get to kind of day five you're thinking do you know what I don't actually need to eat ever again and then of course you do you do yeah (laughs) this is what I love about the content that you and the conversations that you have Liz because you know you're bringing concepts and ideas um you know, and, and very kind of, you know, research-based ideas yeah, to mm-hmm. 
two people who I mean I I I don't know about this and this sounds really fascinating so I think it's so it's so valuable the work that you're doing oh thank you you know I think one of the great things that I really appreciate about my job is exactly that is help particularly for midlife women you know I, Mm. I turned 60 this year and for me it was a massive watershed moment and in fact even saying those words I I still find it quite hard because I guess in kind of modern parlance I don't identify as 60. (laughs) Well 60 back in the day like you know when we were younger 60 seemed old yeah yeah it was you know exactly you know like retired gray hair you know um less mobile than than once you know they once were and it is very different these days isn't it I I think that's really true and you know for me I've worked in wellness now for you know 40 plus years and you know long before the beauty company actually which is quite an interesting journey I can tell you about that but uh, I feel fitter stronger happier I look better my mental health is stronger and better at 60 than it was at 50 for sure and I kind of think, well, why can't I continue that upward trajectory? Well, you know, if that's the case for the last 10 years, what does the next 10 years look like? Can I be yeah. even better at 70 than I am at 60? You know, why does it have to be downhill? Why can't we switch it? And, you know, the, the new book, A Better Second Half, is actually about dialing back your age. And it's not chronological aging, it's biological aging, because we have basically two ages. We have the number of days that we've been on this planet chronologically, but we also have our cellular age. You know, how is our body? I've met some amazing octogenarians who are way younger than their years. But conversely, I've also met people in their 30s and 40s who are seriously older than they should be. And it's about making those tiny lifestyle tweaks. It's small things that add up to a big difference. I'm not a great one for giving stuff up. I like to add things in. But little things, you know, grounding. I talk about, you know, going barefoot on the grass, having a 60-second cold shower, taking 10 minutes to do some breath work, eating more protein. You know, these are just tiny little things that we can all do that are not expensive. In fact, for the most part, they're free. But actually, they make a massive difference. I think that's the key, isn't it? It is. It can quite often feel very overwhelming to be thinking about all of these things that we should be doing, you know, to make ourselves feel better and be healthier. And knowing that it actually, if we make lots of little changes, it can have a massive, massive benefit. It's about small wins. And I think it's it's why most New Year resolutions don't actually work, because we set the bar too high. You know, we're going to lose a stone. We're going to give up smoking. We're going to quit sugar. We, you know, you know all these things. And very often, you know, we've, we've lumped two or three of them together. So, you know, by January the 10th, chances are most of us have completely failed and we feel a failure because that's how we frame yeah. it. And actually by making tiny, tiny steps saying, OK, do you know what? Today I'm going to have an extra glass of water. That's my goal. And that's and easy. And that I can do that. And then I get to the end of the day and I've ticked it off. And it's like, great, that's a win. So tomorrow, maybe I'm going to get up 10 minutes earlier. You know, I'm going to switch my alarm clock. I can do that. And it's they say it takes 30 days for a repeated habit just to become ingrained within you to get that kind of cellular or muscle memory. And so those little things repeated time and time again, 
I'm a, I'm a night owl, to be honest. I, I hate getting up early and it's a real struggle. But I know that sunrise and sunlight early in the day is so important to set up the circadian rhythm, to improve our mood. We actually sleep better at night if we get up and we look at daylight early in the day. So I'm really trying. I'm, you know, I'm trying to go to bed early. I'm trying not to do that late night scrolling. You know, I've, I've got the internet at home switched off at a certain time, so I can't do sit you? up in bed and late night scroll. And I live in the middle of the countryside, so our, our internet, you know, our uh, phone signal is really bad. So when the Wi-Fi goes off, that's it. My kids hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and I was reading about what we should expect from your new book. And this line really hit home. It said that there are ways to take back control of your health, physical, mental and emotional, and make yourself a priority rather than yeah. have it at the bottom of your to-do list. And I've, I don't feel fully in control of my health. And I feel like it is something that I just put to the bottom of the pile so how how should we change how can we change that do you know, I think we women are particularly bad at that. I think mothers are really, really bad at that. And, you know, I'm a mother of five. So, you know, I, I've, I've been there and walked the journey. I'm still walking the journey. And it's true. You know, we are historically the caregivers for the most part. And everybody else comes first. You know, obviously our kids come first and you get to a certain stage in life when you're perhaps looking after elderly parents. You may have uh, another half who is is quite needy and, and, you know, you need to respond to their needs. And then, of course, you might have your job, your career, your friends, your colleagues, your local community. And where do we fit in all that? And looking back on my life, I know that when I was in my mid 40s, I kind of lost myself. You know, I, you know where was I in all of this? Yeah. And I think we have to learn that self-care is not selfish because mm-hmm. the better we are, and the stronger and fitter and more resilient and energetic, the better we are able to look after others. So it's yeah. a win-win. It's a win for us and it's a win for them. And, you know, it's like that old adage, isn't it, on the plane, you know, put on your mask before helping others. And the reason for that is you've only got a few seconds, frankly. And if you're incapacitated, you can't help anybody. So yeah. we really do. We need to shift ourselves up. And I think women are often very bad at that because it's seen as being a bit selfish. Mm. But actually, it's just about thinking, actually, who am I in all of this? What do I need so that I can better help others as well as myself? And it might be just simple changes like getting to bed an hour earlier, making sure that you have a date night with yourself. You know, write yourself in your diary tonight. I'm going to be seeing me. I'm going to be spending a bit more time with me and I'm going to be doing things that me likes to do. And, you know, I I went through a divorce a couple of years ago and, and spent quite a long time very single and actually consciously single because I think you also need to find out who you are. And, and it's quite difficult when you've got lots of other people around you that you're looking after to say, actually, you know, who who is Liz the person? You know, is is she just another half of somebody else? Is she somebody's mother, somebody's friend, somebody's colleague? Actually, who are we and, and am I happy with who that person is? And if not, what do I need to do to, yeah. to make that change? You know, being, yeah. I'd been married, I'd been married twice. The first time I got married, I was 18. So, you know, I've never, and then I went very quickly into a second marriage. So I've never really had the chance to be on my own. And it, it wasn't until sort of my mid fifties when I was very much alone and my kids are older. So, you know, they're, they're not around. I've got one younger one, but he's 13 now. So, you know, he's, he's pretty independent too. And I remember I had two theatre tickets because I, you know, I would always buy theatre tickets for two and, and find a friend to go with. And this particular night, there was nobody that I'd booked in 
I thought, my gosh, you know, am I am I just going to let it, let them go, or you know, do I do I go on my own? So I went on my own. I, I booked a table for one in a restaurant, which felt really weird sitting there pre dinner in a pre theater for for some dinner. Um, and then I got to the theatre and it was great because I had two seats. I thought, well, which one's got the best view? So I decided to, you know, which which one I was going to sit in. This is it, because quite often one of you gets stuck behind the person <laughs> with the big the head. The tall guy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I really enjoyed the theatre and I had a drink by myself in the interval and I didn't have any kind of annoying chat with somebody who was going, oh, I didn't really enjoy that. You know, what did you mm. think? And, um, and uh, yeah, and then I, I, you know, got the bus home and actually had a really nice evening and my daughter Brella who who lives with me here in London she's she's 22 and she was going out the other night she was going to see a movie and I said oh who are you going with and she said oh no I'm not going with anybody I'm just going on my own I love going to the movies on my own I thought wow she's 22 and she's made that decision already how great is that it took me until I was you know 50 something that's so good and and what have you learned about what Liz the person loves to do like what have you learned about yourself in the last few years that you have been like purposefully creating that space for yourself I think I've got more confidence of who I am as a person I've learned that I don't need somebody else to complete me that actually I'm enough Mm. on my own and I'm happy in my own space and you know I, I have I'm in a relationship now I have got a boyfriend which is lovely but I know that I'm confident in that because I don't need him to, mm. to make me feel less alone. I don't need him to complete some missing bit of me. I, I choose to be with him because I like being with him and, and we have a nice time. But equally, if I was on my own, I'd feel equally happy and I wouldn't feel disadvantaged. And it's also made me have a little bit more respect, I think, for friends who are single or alone who choose to be because I've kind of almost never really believed them I've always thought yeah but you know I bet really you wish that you know you were you were with somebody it's a and nice thing go, to say but deep down you wish you had down <laughs> <laughs> and I think actually I totally get it I totally yeah. totally get it I would rather be alone than with somebody who I know deep down isn't really good for me and I see a lot of friends of mine in marriages particularly and they stay there because they're afraid and they think actually do you know what I'd rather be with somebody that I don't really get on with because yeah. I'm too frightened to be on my own yeah yeah um so it's world menopause month Liz and yes. I thought it would be a really good time to chat to you because you've become a real advocate for menopause support haven't you I kind of fell into it you know I, I write about a lot of health issues and about 10 years or so ago um I was thinking you know what what should, we, what should I write about for, for, for midlife women particularly? And I thought, yeah, I've never really covered menopause. I'm not sure I really want to be associated with that because it's kind of, you know, old, incontinent, grey-haired It's not very sexy, ladies. is it? It's, and <laughs> even back then, you know, I, I actually wrote one of the first books on menopause for, for women, the, the Good Menopause Guide. I was starting that 10 years ago. And my publishers at the time didn't really want to put the word menopause on the cover. Wow. They said, listen, no one's going to go into a bookshop and pick up a book about menopause. You know, let's let's call it ageing well. You can understand back then why why they'd be saying that. Because we we have come on leaps and bounds, haven't we, in the last 10 years? Yeah, there's still a long way to go. But at least it's a word that is spoken about in the workplace that we talk to our friends about. And on the day that it came out, I dug my heels in and said, no, no, it's the Good Menopause Guide because that's what it is about, really. Um, it went to number one on all books on Amazon. 
And it was like, okay, you know, okay, so maybe that's online. Maybe, maybe people that would be different going into a bookshop. But since then, the whole conversation has, has just exploded. And what I particularly champion is perimenopause, because if we don't talk much about menopause, we talk even less about perimenopause. And for women in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s, this is a time when your hormones are declining. It's yeah. a non-negotiable, you know, it's not a kind of, do you know, maybe I'll have a menopause, maybe not. It's like, come on, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry, sister, but it's going to happen. And for some yeah. ethnic minorities, it's even earlier, you know, it oh, can be really? 10 years earlier for absolutely for, you know, black and Asian women. So really be aware of it because hormones don't just turn off. They're not a tap. Our estrogen sub doesn't suddenly kind of disappear. It ebbs and flows. And it's that ebb and flow that causes so many of the anxiety issues, the sleep issues. For me, I've never had a hot flush. And it was only the crippling headaches and the lack of sleep, which I put down to stress mm. in my late 40s. I thought, oh, well, I'm just tired. You know, I'm, Kim and I were selling the beauty company. There was a lot going on. I had a late baby. I was 47 when I had um, my youngest. So all those kind of hormonal things got a bit blurred. And looking back, you know, I got tinnitus, for example, in my ears. And I just thought that was something that was going to get worse and I would have to live with. I didn't realize that we have estrogen receptors in our ears. And as we lose estrogen, we get disturbances. And, you know, thankfully, since taking HRT, you know, my tinnitus has gone. My headaches have gone. I sleep through the night. My, I used to get recurrent UTIs. I was forever on antibiotics, which I hated because obviously I write a lot about gut health. And I was just devastated every time I had to take um, antibiotics. But estrogen receptors, again, all around the bladder, the urethra, the vagina, we lose it and we suffer. And women don't pick that up early on. And I think even if they do, they think, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to delay my hormones for as long as possible. I'm not going to take HRT. I don't need it yet. And the studies are now very clear that the sooner we start replacing our estrogen, particularly in terms of brain health, really interesting studies looking at Alzheimer's and dementia, which affects at least twice as many women as men. The reason being because we're losing our estrogen. You know, men don't have that that issue, which is why women are, are being, I think, far more prone. The, the clinical studies are going on yet. We don't have the randomized controlled trials for that, but there's an awful lot of anecdotal evidence and, and the trials will soon be published that will bear that out, I'm absolutely sure. So, you know, my my basically my bottom line message is for the younger women here listening, please don't delay. There's a great free app. It's called the Balance Menopause app. And you can download it anywhere in the world that you're listening to this. It's free. It's a symptom tracker. So you can just keep a track of your moods, your symptoms. There are at least 45 different symptoms from, you know, things like UTIs that I've talked about to memory loss, to achy joints, you know, tinnitus, dry skin, burning mouth, obviously then things like hot flushes. Um, so you can keep a track. And then if you feel that you are getting on that verge of having that hormonal fluctuation that's causing health issues, please just go talk to your GP and show them the symptom tracking that you've been done and say, can we talk about hormones? Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I think that's such good advice. And I think that like you experience so often, and because there are so many symptoms of menopause and perimenopause, it's so easy to put it down to something else. You know, I started going through perimenopause during um, a really hot summer. And so I thought my hot flashes were just like, oh, it's really hot. Yes. Also, we went through a lockdown. And so I was pretty stressed and, yeah. you know, so tired. But I was like, well, everyone's stressed. You know, there's a pandemic happening. Um, you know, it's so easy to kind of explain away the symptoms, which I think is why that's yeah. the, the beauty of an app like the Balance app, where you can actually log it and have a physical thing a record that you can take along to your gp isn't it it's really really important and there's just so many you know good online support groups now and and networks that that we can connect with and i think also gp training is getting better because it's it's interesting you know your your podcast is very much you know for, for for mummies and you think all gps they go through months and months of antenatal and postnatal training and pregnancy advice and care and all of that and and yet they have virtually zero on menopause not every woman's going to have a baby every woman's going to have a menopause so it's enraging they don't know about it considering it's like 51 percent of the population are going to go through this we we need the gps to be having extensive training don't we yeah and i think you know if, if you are going to see a gp for the first time to talk about it just ask the practice can i see one of the gps who is a women's specialist or who has done the confidence in menopause training um, somebody who is actually going to be resourceful and, and up to speed because so often, you know, GPs, you know, they're human beings and they they read, you know, rags like the Daily Mail that says HRT gives you breast cancer and all of that, which, you know, we know is is not the case. And so it's really important that they've got up to date evidence based information to to be able to better help you. Absolutely. Um, I've had um, Dr. Louise Newson on as a guest. I saw I'm that. A- I'm a massive fan of her. She's I love fantastic. Her. She's, I thought, honestly, she de- she deserves a damehood. Oh, she really does. The work that she has done and is continuing to do, she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we talked about how there is still this misconception, like you mentioned, about HRT. And so many women, I think, are genuinely scared to take it. Yeah. Why do you think that it's taken so long for this message to trickle through that HRT is safe for the majority of us to take? Yeah, I think it's so ingrained, isn't it? You know, the Women's Health Initiative study, which was the one that kicked it all off, was flawed, deeply flawed. It was a big American study. It was published before it was properly reviewed. The authors have since publicly apologised for it. But overnight, it took millions of women off HRT. And as I say, you know, doctors aren't trained in menopause. They don't do a deep dive into the data. And it was, they just became unused to prescribing. And it's, it's you know, bad news sells papers, basically bad news gives clickbait it gives ad revenue for you know for numbers of clicks if you have a story that says actually do you know what women need our hormones and you're much better health protected if you take them 
that's not a news story. You know, news these days is only bad news. That kind of seems to be the definition of news. The best thing I ever did, particularly during you know lockdown, was remove all my news apps and stop watching the news. Just switched everything off, and actually yeah. life was a lot better. And I was no you know disadvantage for it. I was actually on you know on the winning team. So I think it's one of those deeply ingrained things and it's a total myth i mean the, the latest studies show that estrogen particularly estrogen only hrt is breast cancer protective we know that hrt in in all its forms actually cuts your risk of colon cancer by at least a third that's a massive killer it cuts your rate of coronary heart disease by 50% 50% and coronary heart disease is the biggest killer of women it reduces our risk of type 2 diabetes, which is a massive killer. Osteoporosis, which is also a huge killer for women. You know, breast cancer, fortunately, these days is not a big killer. It's it's very common. It's, you know, one in seven women, whether they're on HRT or not, frankly, are going to get breast cancer. And I think, you know, sadly that it's so ingrained that if you do have a woman who is taking HRT, who develops breast cancer, they're going to blame HRT, but actually, you know, let's face it, it's not going to stop you getting breast cancer. It's just not going to trigger it. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, one in seven women on HRT will get breast cancer. One in seven women not on HRT will sadly get mm. breast cancer. You're much more at risk if you drink a couple of glasses of wine a night. You're much more at risk if you're over a healthy weight. You're much more at risk if you don't take any exercise. But, you know, these are unpleasant, unpalatable messages. Why would something naturally occurring in our body give us cancer so when we're pregnant for example our estrogen levels are off the charts they are phenomenal and and yet very few of us when we're younger women get diagnosed with breast cancer but we have, we're full of estrogen so why would it be then later in life when we give ourselves just a little bit of that estrogen back that it triggers breast cancer it doesn't make any sense even on that simple logical level it just does not make any sense then I guess most people don't think about it that deeply. They just see the headlines and they yeah. just hear, you know, oh, no, HRT, you know, I'm, I'm going to go down the kind of the natural route and just put up with the symptoms. <laughs> they, they don't they don't research it, you know, we, well, we haven't got time. I so object to that, that, that expression, Alison. You know, I'm often asked, because I do talk a lot about botanicals and adaptogenic herbs and all of this, which I'm big, big into. And, you know, I'm certainly not into, you know, kind of big pharma and, and over medication in any way. So they say, I, we don't understand why, why you promote HRT, because we would rather do it the natural way. I said, OK, yeah. I'll tell you why. I am naturally full of hormones. These are body identical hormones. I am yeah. not a plant. I am not naturally full of herbs. If I take a herbal supplement, if I take sage or black cohosh to try and suppress my night sweats, which may or may not work, that's not natural. Okay, I'm putting an artificial plant-based compound into my body. If I replace natural estrogen, estradiol 17, which is the, the natural form of estrogen that is naturally occurring in my body, that they can get from a wild yam plant and synthesize the molecule and give me back that natural molecule, that to me is more natural than having a cup of herb tea. Yeah, you're right. And I think it is, it's that thing, isn't it, where having these conversations will hopefully reach those, <laughs> so. those women who are, you know, hearing the seeing the headlines and, and feeling yeah. the fear. So it's so important what you're doing. Oh, well, thank you. And, and I think as we get older to what I'm really interested in is the neuroprotective benefits of hormones. I was doing an interview for my podcast, actually, with a, a psychiatrist, professor of psychiatry in Australia, who's done really interesting MRI scans of women 
with HRT or without HRT, looking at the incidence of Alzheimer's and actually looking at the physical brain changes <clears throat> that's happening, particularly in relation with testosterone, which, of course, is a whole other subject because we women are not allowed our testosterone back. <laughs> you know, we make more testosterone in our ovaries than we do estrogen. Testosterone yeah. is a female hormone and it falls off a cliff again, like everything else as we age, but we're not allowed to have it back. But again, you see the headlines. The Daily Mail is telling us that, you know, it's just for, for sex mad women who are, yes. you know, their sex drive is gone and, you well, know, we're putting ourselves you're, at risk. You're allowed. You know, the only reason the NHS yeah. will give you testosterone at the moment is if you say that you've lost your libido and you don't have sex yeah. drive. So the patriarchal healthcare section has said, okay, uh, uh, so these women don't want to have sex with us. Oh, we, we'd better make it okay then. So we, we can give them testosterone so that, you know, yeah. we can have it away and it'll all be fine. But if we say, actually, do you know, we need it for our cognitive function and for our short-term memory and our thinking and our, our the strength in our muscles. Oh, no, 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 you, you can't have it for that. But if you go to your GP and say, do you know what, I've really lost my sex drive. They'll go, oh, absolutely. You know, here's your prescription. Sorry, you've got me on my soapbox, Alison. No, it's great. I love it. Stay on your soapbox. It's great. It's great. Um, actually, I'm going to ask you to step off your soapbox just for a minute because I really want to ask mm. you about a few other things. So things that I know you're covering, you cover all the time when you're, you know, writing articles and talking, having conversations on your podcast. Um, and I think you're probably covering these in your upcoming book as well. Um, mm. But I'm going. I want you to sum up what we need to know. So if someone's listening in their late thirties, in their forties, even fifties, that midlife kind of age, yeah. um, what do we need to know or consider about the following things in a nutshell? So I'm going to run through a wee, a wee okay. quick fire list. So gut health. What do we What do we need to consider about our gut health now? Uh, we need to create better gut diversity as bottom line. So a little bit of a lot of different foods every day is what your gut microbe loves. So have as much fermented stuff as you can. Just something simple, you know, plain live yogurt. I love kefir. Drink a glass of kefir every morning. Give it to my kids. Very good for the gut brain axis. Very good for mental health as well as obviously all the digestive stuff. If you can make a bit of kimchi or just some sauerkraut. Super easy, chop up a cabbage, shove it in some salty water, leave it for a couple of weeks and it turns into sauerkraut. So, you know, have little bits of that. Um, don't need very much. Uh, have, you know, lots of different plant foods, indigestible fibres, you know, cauliflower, asparagus, artichoke, all the things that the gut microbes love to live on. And just one simple thing, actually, to create resistant starch, which feeds our gut microbes. If you cook pasta or rice and you let it go cold, so you chill it, pop it in the fridge, chill it. Um, and then if you want to just heat it up again, you've changed the starch composition. You've turned it into resistant starch, which is less easily digested by the stomach, which is really good. So it gets into the lower, lower digestive system where the gut microbes can feed on it. So wow. that's, that's a really good thing. And, you know, prioritize sleep because sleep also impacts our, our gut bugs. You know, our gut bugs yeah. proliferate and do their work when the body is resting. So it's really important that actually for our microbiome that we sleep as well as for all the other reasons. Great. Okay, next thing, weight training. Yes. But, I mean, that's a what short do, answer. What, <laughs> what, do we, what do we need to know yeah. about weight training? Why should we all be doing uh, it? 
women need to lift weights, you know, from our, our mid 40s, if not before. Um, I only started lifting weights in my 50s. It's changed my shape. I don't lift very much. It doesn't bulk you. It's very hard to bulk. You have to be in the gym a lot lifting very, very heavy weights and, you know, possibly on steroids or whatever to, you know, to get that bulkiness. But what weight training does is it, it kind of gives you definition. You know, I change the shape of my arms. I actually have nice arms for the first time in my life, much better than in my 20s and 30s. And it also is very good for not only for strength, which we need as we age, we feel more energetic if we feel stronger, but for bone density. So for things like osteoporosis, bone strength, our tensile strength, we, we need it. We also produce things like stem cells when we lift weights. It doesn't have to be very much. So my, I do bicep curls, for example, two or three times a week. I do maybe 25 repetitions. I use a six kilogram weight in each hand. I've got heavier weights, which I use for squatting. So I just hold like a 16 kilo kettlebell in each hand, just do some squats. That's enough. It doesn't have to be very much, but you do have to do it consistently and at least probably two or three times a week if you can. Brilliant. Um, and then the last one I'm going to ask you to um, talk about is biohacking, which I know nothing about, but it sounds fascinating. Oh, biohacking. So Dave Asprey is this big biohacker in America. He's kind of like the father of, he invented the term. He was a computer hacker who got really sick. He, he decided to try and treat his ill health by going vegan and all the rest of it and, and became even sicker. And so thought, well, if I can hack in, into computers, I can hack into my body. And that's and he invented this term biohacking. And he, he's amazing. He's I, I don't know how old he is, actually. I think he's in his 60s, but he looks about 30. Anyway, he's determined to make 180. That's his goal. Wow. And actually looking at him and following him, I think he might do it. I mean, he is doing quite extreme things sometimes, you know, stem cell transplants and all of that. But biohacking has become this general term for hacking into your body with simple, easy wins. So things like a little bit of weight training, a little bit of kefir, your cold shower in the morning, doing some grounding in the morning. The other thing that I'm big into, which I really want to do my next book on, is quantum quantum healing and quantum energy and that's a whole other story but I got into that really through biohacking and through getting up in the morning and looking at the sunlight and realizing that actually we need to see that early morning sunshine with naked skin and naked eyes because that's before the infrared um, sorry before the infrared disappears it's when you've got near infrared and you've got very low levels of UV so you're not going to burn your skin but you need to not look through glass, don't look through a window, open a window if you can't get outside, see that early morning daylight, even if the sun's not out, you can. it's still there behind the clouds. And our, we have um, receptors in our eyes that link to the circadian rhythm. And it's really important that we get that early morning daylight, which is what historically early man or mankind basically up until the invention of the light bulb would have done because we had to get outside and work while there was daylight. And then we came in when the sun set and you know maybe lit a candle because that, that was the only option. So we need to be outside. We need to see that early morning light. And so if you wear contact lenses, don't put them in until you've actually seen some daylight. Don't wear sunglasses unless the, the sun is really, really strong. Get that UV light, early UV light, or at the end of the day, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.